Here we go. Hope this works. US to try accused Bali bomb mastermind. The Indonesian detainee known by the single name Hambali was notified last week that prosecutors are preparing to try him before a military commission at the US base in Cuba on charges that include terrorism and murder in violation of the law of war. He is accused of conspiring with leaders of al-Qaeda in a series of attacks, including the bombings in Bali in October 2002 that killed 202 people. A Pentagon legal official known as the convening authority must still approve the charges before the case can proceed to an arraignment. Marine Corps Brigadier General John Baker, the chief defense counsel, said in an email that he was notified that prosecutors do not intend to seek the death penalty even though some of the charges are potentially capital offenses. Baker said he would be submitting a request for additional resources to effectively represent Hambali but the decision to not seek the death penalty means he will not have to find experienced capital lawyers who are typically civilians. Hambali, 53, whose full name is Ansep Nurjaman has been held by the CIA and subjected to what the U.S. government has called its enhanced interrogation program. He is accused of being the operational mastermind of the Southeast Asia-based Islamic extremist group known as Jamaa Islamiyah, an affiliate of al-Qaeda. Charging documents provided to the AP allege he orchestrated the Bali bombings as well as an August 2003 attack on the JW Marriott Hotel in Jakarta, which killed 11 people, and other plots. Hambali is one of 41 prisoners still held at Guantanamo. Dollar upended by rates reversal. Support for the dollar eroded as investors realized the U.S. Federal Reserve might not be the only game in town when it came to higher interest rates. In Britain, Bank of England Governor Mark Carney surprised many by conceding a hike was likely to be needed as the economy came closer to running at full capacity. The Bank of Canada went further, with two top policymakers suggesting they might tighten as early as July. That followed comments earlier in the week from European Central Bank President Mario Draghi that stimulus might need to be toned down so it does not become more accommodative as the economy recovers. ECB sources tried to hose down the talk but could not stop the euro hitting a one-year high against the US dollar. If we want to know what the ECB is planning, we will choose a carefully scripted Draghi speech over anonymous sources every time, said Westpac currency strategist Sean Sallow. Backed by the eurozone's strong current account surplus and the contrast with the Fed which could pause on rate hikes for a while, the euro looks to be on target for $1.1500 to $1.1600. On Thursday, the single currency had already pressed on to $1.1409 having climbed 3% in as many days. The euro also surged to a 16-month top on the yen as investors doubt the Bank of Japan will be in any position to begin winding back its stimulus for a long time to come. The Canadian dollar vaulted to 1.3027 Canadian dollars, having enjoyed its biggest daily gain in three months, while sterling rebounded to $1.2964. Against a basket of major currencies. The dollar sank to its lowest since October at 95.801 as volatility returned with a vengeance. Traders at City called the currency reaction extraordinary with turnover as much as twice the daily average on Wednesday. Central banks will be very cautious in their approach, said Martin Wetton, a senior rate strategist at ANZ. But once they start tightening in concert, and their bloated balance sheets start unwinding, it is fair to say that bonds, 
equities, house prices and other asset markets will face stiffer headwinds than they have for a long time. The squall had already driven German short-term yields to their highest in a year, while yields on U.S. 10-year treasuries were up 11 basis points so far this week at 2.23%. Yet the prospect of higher interest rates also bolstered banking stocks and helped the Sandamp P500 score its biggest one-day percentage gain in about two months on Wednesday. The Dow rose 0.68%, while the Sandamp P500 gained 0.88% and the Nasdaq 1.43%. Financials gained further after hours as the Fed approved plans from the 34 largest U.S. banks to use extra capital for stock buybacks and dividends. Asia followed on Thursday with Japan's Nikkei adding 0.5% and Australia 0.8%. MSCI's broadest index of Asia-Pacific shares outside Japan rose 0.8% to its highest since May 2015. The weaker U dollar helped boost commodities in general, with gold up 0.3% to $1,253.09 an ounce. Oil recouped a little of its recent steep losses after a weekly decrease in U.S. production offset a surprise build in crude inventories in the world's top oil consumer. On Thursday, U.S. crude firmed 27 cents to $45.01 per barrel and Brent added 28 cents to $47.59. Three Melbourne Murders to Remain Unsolved Summary Inquests into the Homicides of Rain Dallapy who was shot in 2005, Robert Hoff, who was beaten to death in 2011, and Sami Matar, who died of a gunshot wound to the pelvis in 2010, were held at the Victorian Coroner's Court on Thursday. Leading senior constable Kelly Ramsey told Judge Sarah Hinchy the murderers had never been identified or charged. Mr. Dallapy, 58, was involved in the sale of cannabis at the time of his death. The Macedonian immigrant had been in a tumultuous relationship with his wife when a man knocked on their front door in Geelong in September 2005 after Mr. Dalipi had purchased a bale of illegal tobacco. The man asked to buy half a kilogram of the tobacco and left to get money. He returned a minute later, pushing Mr. Dalipi and entering the couple's home with another man who was holding a handgun. The second man placed a blanket over Mrs. Dalipi's head and threatened to kill her if she removed it. Mrs. Dalipi, who used her phone to get help, heard a gunshot. Upon hearing the two men leave, she removed the blanket from her head and saw her husband injured and unsteady on his feet. Mr. Dalipi died later that night from a gunshot wound to his abdomen. Robert Hoff was a 50-year-old man who lived at Karum Downs. He was attacked by a seemingly random assailant while on his way to catch a bus to his job as a forklift driver in March 2011. Senator Constramsey said Mr. Hoff was known as a gentle, sensitive man who had never been in a relationship. A resident found him on the ground with blood around his head, dead from blunt force trauma. Sami Matar was a 23-year-old Lebanese immigrant who was on bail for drug trafficking and possession at the time of his death. He died of extensive blood loss from a gunshot wound to the pelvis after an argument with a group of men at Hadfield in July 2010. Summary inquests are mandatory in homicide cases where no one has been charged. No witnesses are called during the proceedings. Coronial inquiries can be reopened if new information into the homicides is discovered. Pale charged over historical sex offences. Victoria Police say 76-year-old Catholic cleric will appear in Melbourne Magistrates Court on July 18 for a filing hearing. Cardinal Pell 
The Vatican's finance chief, has repeatedly denied allegations of sexual assault dating back to his time as a Ballarat priest and as Archbishop of Melbourne. Deputy Commissioner Shane Patton said a summons was served on Dr. Pell's legal representatives in Melbourne on Thursday. Cardinal Pell has been treated the same as anyone else in this investigation, Mr. Patton said. The process and procedures that are being followed in the charging of Cardinal Pell have been the same that have been applied in a whole range of historical sex offences whenever we investigate them. Cardinal Pell faces multiple charges and multiple complainants. Cardinal Pell, like any other defendant, has a right to due process and so therefore, it is important that the process is allowed to run its natural course, Mr. Patton said. It is so far unclear just which allegations Cardinal Pell has been charged with. Complaints were previously made to police relating to alleged sexual assaults in Ballarat between 1976 and 1980 and in East Melbourne between 1996 and 2001. Cardinal Pell denies all of the allegations made against him. Many were replicated in a book published in May, which Cardinal Pell's Rome office labelled an exercise in character assassination. Sydney Archbishop Anthony Fisher has said Cardinal Pell, who has cooperated with multiple police, parliamentary and royal commission investigations, is the victim of relentless character attacks. The Child Sexual Abuse Royal Commission is yet to hand down its official findings into how church figures, including Cardinal Pell, handled past allegations of abuse in Victoria's Ballarat Diocese and the Archdiocese of Melbourne. Newman calls for Turnbull to resign. Mr Newman, who is now a political commentator for Sky News and sits on the boards of various companies, says the base of the Liberal Party has turned against Mr Turnbull and he needs to put it first. He is dividing the Liberal Party, there's a lot of attention on. Tony. Abbott giving these speeches, but the person who is really dividing the Liberal Party is actually Malcolm Turnbull, Mr Newman told ABC Radio. The base of the Liberal Party are desperately unhappy and that's reflected in the polling. Recent polling has the federal coalition on 36% of the primary vote, and Mr Newman says there is no way for Mr Turnbull to turn that around. While he shied away from naming a potential successor, Mr Newman had harsh words for federal frontbencher Christopher Pine whom he labelled a toffee-nosed schoolboy. He's a schemer. He's not focused on doing the right thing. He thinks he's better than he is, frankly here walking, talking caricature of a Tory toff. The former Premier also suggested former Prime Minister Tony Abbott should resign, but said his ongoing criticisms of the party were technically right. Mr Newman's former Treasurer and current Queensland opposition leader Tim Nichols says he doesn't agree with his former leader's assertion that the state and federal Liberal parties don't get North Queensland. People don't want the internal squabbling, they're sick of it, Mr Nichols told reporters in Cairns on Thursday. We understand that, it is about representing the people and making sure you have the right plans for them. Mr Newman who was himself ousted from power in one of the largest electoral defeats in Queensland's history, says he considered standing aside when he saw his government struggling in the polls, but the idea was vetoed by LNP Queensland President Bruce McIver. If we'd done that, I don't think we would have lost the election and Tim Nichols would be Premier right now, he said. Victorian traffic camera virus spreads. Victorian Police Minister Lisa Neville has told three or the infected cameras were operated by Redflex and Genoptics, neither of which alerted authorities about the problem.
Redflex originally found 55 cameras infected with a virus, before the total was increased on Sunday to 97. The latest investigation found Genoptics also had cameras with the virus on them. These are new, 62 of them, that's concerning that both the companies didn't inform us, Ms. Neville told 3OR on Thursday. The minister said she was aware three Genoptics cameras were affected last week. Some of them have been affected, but the questions is whether some have been infected, she said. The virus could only have been spread manually but was unlikely to be malicious or deliberate, Ms. Neville said. Last week hundreds of Victorian motorists had fines cancelled after it was discovered a ransomware virus had affected Redflex's cameras. A contractor inadvertently infected some of the cameras when he connected them to them via USB. Victoria's Road Safety Camera Commissioner John Voyage is investigating the breach, including how it happened and how many red light and speed cameras were impacted. ARP has contacted GenOptics for comment. A Justice Department spokeswoman said details of the breach will be made public once the commissioner's investigation is complete. There have now been more than 160 cameras identified as a part of the issue, she said in a statement. No fixed camera infringements will be issued until the commissioner has completed his investigation. Why government computers vulnerable to threats? Colin Murphy says in his ninth annual audit of government agency information systems he is disappointed many of them are simply not taking the threat of risks seriously. As recent high-profile malware threats have shown us, no agency or system is immune from these evolving and ongoing threats, Mr. Murphy said on Thursday. First drones with sirens on NSW beaches. A remote control operator will test the new feature from July 1st by sounding the alarm to alert swimmers and surfers if a shark is spotted nearby. Primary Industries Minister Neil Blair says the drones and helicopters have proven successful in protecting swimmers in the past. Last summer they spotted 571 dangerous sharks and assisted in saving two swimmers caught in a rip, Mr. Blair said in a statement. Drones will be deployed at Lennox Head, Ballinar, Evans Head and Byron Bay if weather permits. Helicopter flights will patrol several beaches in northern NSW beaches some in the Hunter region. Beachgoers can stay up to date throughout the day by checking the Shark Smart app or Twitter feed. The online services provide real-time shark alerts when a tagged shark swims within 500 meters of one of 20 listening stations. Qantas LA-bound plane diverted to Sydney. Qantas says QF-93 departed Tullamarine Airport before 10 a.m. on Thursday. It said the diversion was not an emergency situation. The indicator fault, light, appeared in the cockpit and, as a precaution, the captain has made a decision to divert to Sydney, a Qantas spokesman told ARP. The Airbus A380 aircraft, which seats 484 people, is circling east of Sydney and expected to land about 1 p.m. Goodbye.